We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. Nobody loves to bank; they love what banking can help them achieve. Emprise is looking to say yes to those with a dream, whether it's saving for your first home, a new car, starting a family, starting a business. Emprise is your partner in possible. That is Emprise Bank member FDIC. Uh, our wonderful partners in possible here at KC Sports Network. I'm joined by Maddie Lane. Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Hi, hello, how are you? Nice haircut uh, for those uh, that cannot uh, cannot see you right now. You have a very nice haircut. Thank you. I would like you for the audio only listeners for you to describe it to them in great detail. Okay, so it's uh, it's short on the sides. Uh-huh. Uh, pretty pretty high, a little high cut. Uh and a little, just like a nice little, nice little trim off the top. Some, 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 some hair left to style. Uh, accentuates the broad shoulders extremely well. So there's, there's the breakdown. I think. Um, well, that's far a lot deeper than we're gonna get into this Rams game because <laughs> yikes. Um, so perfect. I think that uh, we could probably start wrapping the show up now. Are you happy with this kit? We can get out I, of here in about three minutes. I'm completely content with that. Uh, <laughs> now hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Craig is uh, a little under the weather. Uh, we'll leave it at that. So uh, he's not going to be with us today. Hopefully he'll be with us on uh, on Thursday. So um, we have some breaking news, Matthew. Just Woo! massive, Woo-hoo! massive news for the yeah, for the Kansas City Chiefs. They have indeed added more to their running back room. As Let's Melvin go. Gordon, former Denver Bronco, 
uh, former Charger as well, has signed to the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad, uh, was a significant fixture uh, or planned to be a significant fixture, fixture in the Denver offense as recently as this season. He is now a Kansas City Chief, Matthew. Listen, Melvin Gordon once upon a time was like the the original uh, Chiefs killer. I mean, there for a while for the Chargers, Melvin Gordon, if you could extrapolate his stats when he only played the Chiefs when he was playing for the Chargers, he looked like an all-pro running back. He was he was the first guy that you would watch as a Chiefs fan and be like, okay, this is where you know the Chiefs can't tackle. Because here's Melvin Gordon, who otherwise is a, an above-average running back, and all of a sudden, not a single player can get him to the turf. Not a single one for these Chiefs teams could get him down on the ground. And it, it was so disappointing and so frustrating. It really stunk when he left the Chargers, what was it, two, three years ago, that he went directly to Denver. And I don't think he ever had the same success in Denver as he did against the Chiefs, but he still ran hard. He made it difficult on them. So like just from the fact that the Chiefs no longer ever have to play Melvin Gordon, this is an A-plus move. I'm now, like, taking me out out of nowhere just because it wanted to, but I'm back. I'm still here. Just like Melvin Gordon is now here with the Kansas city chiefs. That defense never has to see him again. Like that's a win. I call this a win just because they never have to play against him. Uh, okay. So just a, look, a quick look at his stats. He's carried the ball 90 times this season already uh, for, uh, for the, uh, for the Denver Broncos, 318 yards, a, a pretty pedestrian 3.5 yards per attempt and two touchdowns. Now, to be fair, he's on, uh, the worst team in the, uh, in the, uh, AFC West here. He was on the worst team in the AFC West with the worst quarterback and the worst offense, uh, the worst coach, uh, just, yeah, just so many worsts for that, for that organization right now. Um, and so like, yeah, like, you know, like, I think you're just kind of hoping that, you know, he can, he can have a decent year, you know, in, in support. And I don't even know it's, it's look, the chiefs had Rojo kind of situated as a, uh, I don't want to say breaking case of emergency, but it's kind of like inventory, right? Like it's almost like a little bit of inventory that they're keeping at the running back position. Um, and Rojo's getting the call up, you know, now, uh, he's getting these opportunities now, uh, because of Clyde Edwards Lair's uh, injury. And, you know, there's not a ton of experienced veteran running backs that are going to be out available on the market this time of year uh, that are the same caliber as Melvin Gordon. And look, the big issue for Melvin Gordon is the fumbles. I mean, he's a rosterable, I think, NFL player. Outside, big issue. Outside of the fumbles. That is the big, big issue for him. And Matt Kentner's pointing out 26 career fumbles. He's put the ball on the ground five times this season. Yeah, no, it was it, it was a lot. It's been a lot. It's been worse, I think, for Denver um, than it was when he was with the Chargers. It's just a, it's an area of his game that has not been has not gotten better with age. Um, now to put this in perspective, though, because I do know this is a concern a lot of people are going to have. His career, you know, his fumble percentage per touch compared to let's go with I don't know Ronald Jones is almost identical. We're looking at like one point two percent, like one or like we're looking at twelve percent, thirteen percent, or something like that, right? Like we are talking about. A significant difference between the two, especially considering that Gordon has had significantly more touches than Ronald Jones throughout his career. So there isn't a wild gap just in how often per touch these two players are putting the ball on the turf, on the field, whatever you want to call it. So I do think that is worth keeping in mind when we're giving these guys is uh, presuming that you know you still have Jarek McKinnon healthy, Isaiah Pacheco ready, and this is even 
Melvin Gordon just taking Ronald Jones' place or not, they're not getting more than five touches in a game. I wouldn't anticipate either one of them fumbling once every you know five touches. That's just not the rate they've been on. It's been a bad issue for Melvin Gordon, but it has not been that bad. So I don't want to split hairs there between the two. Fumbling has been an issue. It's been an issue for both these guys, and I guess this kind of leads into the next point. If Melvin Gordon's ever going to factor in on this roster, it's just a practice squad signing, right? It's just a practice squad signing. Yes, they can call him up, but if he's ever going to factor in, it's certainly going to be A for injury or B in place of Ronald Jones. And if you're just losing the quote-unquote ball security of Ronald Jones for Melvin Gordon, I know you're trading in you know six of one for half dozen of the other. Is that a concern that people have with Ronald Jones right now? No, they don't think you should have that same concern with Melvin Gordon either. I uh, Real quick, Melvin, Melvin Gordon last year, 203 carries, 918 yards, eight touchdowns, 4.52 yards per carry. He is not far removed from having a very quality season on our offense. That was better last year. Somehow. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's true. Uh, to, uh, he had, he had 213 yards uh, in the air too. I mean, this guy had, you know, he had 1130 yards of, of offense uh, from scrimmage. So, there's there's some there's some value there, and you said you said injuries, Matthew, and I don't think people realize maybe maybe we, maybe they do, but and I, we've talked about this some, but like Jarek McKinnon is not been consistently the healthiest guy either. The Chiefs are very heavily invested in a seventh round rookie, a oft injured wrong side of thirty running back in in Jarek McKinnon, and Ronald Jones. Uh, who we'll see, uh, is you there. know, he, he's, he's there. So like, I don't hate the idea of continuing to insulate this room with veteran depth and veteran talent. You know, we talk about like the best pass, the second best pass protector on this team. Is it Melvin Gordon now, Matthew? I think, I think pretty comfortably. Right. And I think that's, that's the next place to look into this. Right. So I'm going to combine a little bit of like the, the Ronald Jones takes from this past game versus the Rams in here. Um, Ronald Jones got a chance. He had four carries 12 yards. I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I thought he ran hard. He ran downhill. He was aggressive. He was violent. I think his long was like five yards or something like that without looking it back up. Um, and it was a good five-yard run. It's just something the defense is going to remember that guy that big coming in that aggressively picking up five-ish yards on that play. Melvin Gordon can do that exact same stuff. He can take four carries for 12 yards, but what you can do, you could put him in there occasionally for Jarek McKinnon, or if Jarek McKinnon gets dinged up and you don't want to have him out there pass protecting 30 times in a game, you can put Melvin Gordon out there and you can trust him in pass protection. Back when he was you know, a young player in the league, his pass protection was atrocious. That was one of the biggest knocks on him as a young charger, as a young professional player for the Chargers. He worked hard on it. He's pretty good. Not only does he have good technique, can he do it, but he understands who to pick up. He understands protections and blitzes. And if you've watched the Chiefs this year, that you're doing a whole lot of stuff with McKinnon to save, not save the offensive line, but save kind of the offensive scheme and the play calling because they can't always block up for four-man pass rush great. They can't account for four, you know, a four-man pass rush plus an extra blitzer. That's falling on McKinnon's lap wholeheartedly a lot. And I don't think right now the Chiefs trust Isaiah Pacheco to make that read and then properly make that block or to have a good enough chip that's not going to get in the way of his offensive tackle. And I'm not saying that he can't do it. 
he's fine at it. He's willing to do it. But I don't know if you want to trust him in a situation that matters. I know you don't want to trust Ronald Jones in a situation that matters in pass protection. So yeah, getting somebody like Melvin Gordon, especially without knowing the ultimate long-term health of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who isn't great in pass pro, but can do it, who isn't great at it though, you now get somebody that can step into that role if need be. I think it was just from those two standpoints, that's, I mean, that's, that's huge. That matters a lot to this team and the way they've been playing this year. Uh, you bring up Clyde Edwards, Alaire too. And I think that's another thing kind of just work, worth talking about too, is just like, there's, there's reason to, to perk your ears up a little bit as the chiefs continue to add depth to the running back position, because the status of Clyde Edwards, Alaire, if, if he's able to return, uh, back to this football team um, in some capacity at some point here. Uh, when is that the case? Is he going to have time to kind of get ready by the playoffs? You know, you look at the... I, I think this is a sneakily fragile running back room. And, and we Extremely. probably... We aren't really talking about it like that. And like we can debate the merits of 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 the running back position and we can you know you know debate some of that stuff if you want but you can't just throw anybody back there especially when it comes to the pass protection game and you're looking at a group you know Clyde was there often hurt and he is hurt he's out and so now what happens you kind of get to you get a look at the fragility of this group because i mean Man, I, I, it's it's way more thin than we're. You're one or two plays away from this getting real ugly real quick from a depth perspective. So I think it makes a lot of sense uh, to to add um, to add Melvin Ingram to this group. And you know what? I think there's a chance he's better than I think there's a chance he's better than than Rojo too. Honestly, um, honest, I I, uh, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either. So I'm gonna ask no. you, Matthew. Uh, Two game, there's two games called up. You can get called up, right? So you can get, uh, as a practice squad member, you can you can be called up twice, I believe, from the uh, from the practice squad roster, uh, for the game day. Do you? I'm gonna set the over under of games played at two and a half for Melvin Gordon. You gonna take including the, the playoffs? Including the playoffs? Are you taking over? The, over? You think two and a half yeah, games I, for Melvin Gordon? Yeah, that, at, look at everything that she's done, right? When we talk about it during the offseason, uh, a lot of times here is that um, you, the Chiefs, the teams will tell you what they think without telling you with words, right? Look at the Chiefs try to put in a claim for Eno Benjamin. Look at the all the different work they've they brought in. Um, who did they else they bring in? Wayne Gallman, uh, running back to their practice squad. They they're constantly looking to add other running backs. And yes, it's just been to the practice squad. They did put in a you know a claim for a young running back who was oddly cut from the, from the Cardinals, I believe it was. Eno Benjamin, but, yeah, yeah. So they're they're telling you that they aren't happy with their current set of running backs or at least they're not 100% happy with it and who's to blame them you talked about it it's it's a relatively fragile group up until the past 2 games it, you haven't really seen the consistent flashes from Pacheco to think that he is ready to go for the rest of the year so like it would make sense that this team is still trying to turn this room over i think bringing Melvin Gordon is in is like a hey we need a third string running back Here's a guy that can maybe do a, more things at a backup level or a third string level than Ronald Jones can. So now we have him on the roster. I think that's what it is. Melvin Gordon can do more things better than Ronald Jones can. It's not like Ronald Jones is great at anything else. So I would not be surprised if by playoff time, 
assuming he can pick up a playbook and he's, you know, he's a veteran. He's been around the league for what, seven, eight years now. Uh, I assume if he can pick up the playbook, I think that, you know, there's, there's a chance he gets to the active roster by playoff time. And there's a chance that this is his last opportunity. And so some of the ball security things, like there's some points of emphasis that he's probably, you know, got to be prepared for here. He's probably, you know, I think he probably knows that this might be one of his, if not his last chance uh, in the NFL. So he's going to be prepared. He's going to be hydrated. And speaking of hydrated, Tucker Franklin's here to talk to you about yours. Hey, I got to tell you guys about our friends at liquid death and by now you guys already know that you might see some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores well it's not beer it's actually mountain spring water from the alps and it's called liquid death why is the water called liquid death say it with me it'll brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recycled tall boy cans are here helping to bring death to plastic bottles as well they also donate 10 percent of their profits from every can sold to kill plastic pollution i've got the severed lime flavor with me here i also love the berry flavor and also just the straight still water is incredible i like uh I like drinking the water out of the can it makes you feel powerful makes you feel uh, authoritative so here's what you gotta do go to liquiddeath.com slash kcsn to find their store locator tool or you can go get liquid death at your local target walmart or 7-eleven go check them out at liquiddeath.com slash kcsn we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Melvin Gordon is not the only new chief here in Kansas City. Breaking news that happened hours ago. The Kansas City Chiefs have also signed former Raiders third-round pick Brian Edwards to their practice squad as well. This is a move that if there was, there's nobody on the planet I would rather be talking to about Brian Edwards becoming a chief than Matthew Lane. Matthew, how excited are you for this? I mean, I mean, this is great, right? Like this, this is absolutely great. Every, every couple of years, actually, actually, every year, it feels like the Chiefs are making some kind of weird waiver wire pickup practice squad edition uh, of a two, three year removed draft crush um, that I had kind of coming out. Uh, they signed Justin Reed earlier this year. That that was a fun one. That was a guy that I think. We, we didn't quite podcast that year. You'd had been podcasting. I wasn't on a podcast yet when Justin Reed came out, but I loved him coming out, so that was fun. But then now Brian Edwards was a, a wide receiver coming out of South Carolina that I really liked a couple years ago coming out of South Carolina. Some you know injuries at South Carolina held him down, but I mean he still had about 800 yards his last three seasons 
at South Carolina. Here was this big physical wide receiver that ran the vertical route plane really, really well. And so he was just a guy that made a lot of sense for what the Chiefs were missing at the time when the Chiefs still had Tyree Kill and they were looking for that complimentary wide receiver across from him. And we didn't have any size. They didn't have another vertical threat. They had Demarcus Robinson running the hell out of some corner posts, but that was about it. They really needed something else. And I thought Brian Edwards would be a perfect fit. You know, this big physical dude who can run a vertical route and you get the ball in his hands and he plays physically, physical and angry. I thought he was a great fit for the Chiefs a couple years ago. You know, the fit's a little bit tougher now with the wide receiver changeover. He's They now have a lot of guys that kind of fit this exact same mold, actually. And that's mm-hmm. what's going to make this really interesting going forward, right? right? This is going to make it very interesting. But I love that they got him. Here's a guy that, Playing for the Las Vegas Raiders, he still ended up with what, a 500 and like 75 yard season two years or last year for the Raiders. For the yeah. Las Vegas Raiders, he almost had 600 yards. And they're just like, hey, we'll take a fifth round pick for him because we don't want extra receivers. You know, I'm I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at some of these stat lines and stuff like that. It's just interesting that they weren't really able to get him super involved. Uh, but I mean, he had... Yeah, like 571 yards last year for the Raiders and, and some big games. I'm trying to look at what he had against Kansas City. He had a three-catch, three, three 88-yard touchdown, one-touchdown performance against the Chiefs. If I remember, there was a pretty big explosive play involved with there. I think you could probably... That's not too big of a reach because three catches for 88 yards, you're going to have some. You're gonna have something big happen there, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's 30 yards a catch. But, I mean, he's a guy that can win the ball down the field. Uh, and he he's aggressive, like you said, at the catch point. Uh, just kind of looking at the KC draft guide uh, stuff that we had on him. We put a third-round grade on him. Um, unlike John Gruden, we did not compare him to Terrell Owens. Uh, oh. So there is that. <laughs> but, Those are bad. Who did we compare yeah. him to? Uh, we had a James Jones comp on him, which oh. kind of makes out, sense as an outside-the-number ball <laughs> winner. Yeah, so that's, that's, a nice, that's, a nice little, uh, that's a nice little player comp there. Uh, KC Moe. Na- uh, native uh, or was was raised in KC. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I don't remember what high high school he wound up going to. I don't know if he did. Uh, he moved there before high school, but yeah, I mean that's this is this is an interesting ball winner. And you know, you think about the the Justin, you know, Rosses of the world, and and Brian Edwards, and you know, like it's good inventory to keep. We talked a little bit about inventory earlier, and try not to be too uh, dismissive of the human playing the game, but like. I think this is a smart addition. Do you think this is this is the this is the question, Matthew? Oh. Do you think his role to actually making this roster is going to have to include special teams? Uh yeah, I mean, I think so. So somebody I was asked what I thought realistic expectations were for Brian Edwards. And as a big, you know, Brian Edwards fan, as a guy that I, I really wanted the Chiefs to get him. When I saw the the Falcons had released him, I like tweeted something out immediately, like, "Hey, you know, let's." let's I think it was even on Thanksgiving, or it might have been Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> I, I said something about it, and so somebody asked, "He's like, you know, it, it's next year. This is a move. This is a perfect reserves kind of contract thing. Get him in the building to start working on this playbook, getting used to the team, and you hope you get an impact from him next year." And my exact role was. The, the Justin Watson role. I think that's the kind of role that you look for. Now, I don't mean the snap counts, but that's the type of receiver that I think he is. He's this big physical guy that 
doesn't necessarily run Chris Brouts, isn't necessarily a guy that you're throwing back shoulder fades to, although I do think he can probably do that a little better than we've seen from Justin Watson, but he's a vertical threat. He's a big receiver that wins vertically by stacking corners and just beating them at the catch point. So I think that's the kind of role that I would envision him competing for next year for the Chiefs. If anything, the problem is, you mentioned him, that's Justin Ross's role. If he's going to be anything in the NFL, that's a role that goes to Justin Ross. That's a role that Marquez Valdez-Scantling currently kind of has. Now, he's faster. He's more dynamic than, I think, either of those guys. But it's still the same role. The Chiefs play Justin Watson a lot. That's a lot that he might be back. That's a lot of guys kind of competing for that same role. So that's what I was saying is now two years later or three years later after I really wanted him on the Chiefs because the fit was perfect. It is a little bit of a logjam. I still like getting him in the building. I still like the, you know, the concept of it, but I just, that role's kind of pretty, pretty heavily filled for the Chiefs. Now to your your point, yeah, he's, he is not going to be able to make this roster without playing special teams. And to, from what I'm looking at, hasn't played any special teams so far in the NFL. That's mm-hmm. not been part of his MO. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. Cause I think that will be a requirement. You want to beat out all these guys I just mentioned. You're going to have to play some special teams and play it well. And, you know, people are going to look at what he did in Atlanta, which was next to nothing. But I don't think that's an indictment on him. That I team just, can't figure out how to use Kyle freaking Pitts. I don't care what any of their offensive players do. They can't use the second biggest unicorn of all time at the tight end position worth a darn. That team, whatever they are doing offensively, can be put into any dumpster you can find behind a building, lit on fire, and thrown off a cliff. Nothing that happens to Atlanta's offense matters at all for the NFL. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> to you, some very, very stern words there. But it's true. They can't. They they struggle to get. They, it's just so wild what the Falcons did. They go out and they they grab Kyle Pitts. Uh, and then then they go and grab Drake London the next year, and I think it, there was a, there was a regime change in between then. But trade they, for a 600 yard wide receiver, yeah, and turn around and run the ball to Tyler Algier and because they won't put in the only quarterback they have they can throw. Uh, th- there's a reason. There's a reason. Yeah, they want to lose. That that might actually be the reason too. Marcus Mariota, like I, yeah, I just don't think Marcus Mariota and a run-heavy offense with like twenty targets a game is really like something to worry about with with Brian Edwards. I'm kind of surprised he didn't get claimed, uh, but you know, what, whatever. Um, that that that's a little bit of a surprise if you ask me, but um, I'm happy he's a chief, and I think this is the you know, right kind of move, and it's Brett Veach continuing. I, I would assume to to lean on his draft evals and, and what he believes in. And you know what? He's, he's got a front hand. He's got a, a front, you know, he's got, he's, he's got a front seat view a couple times of what this guy's capable of doing and he can help a football team. So I, I kind of like the move. I like the addition and, you know, we'll see what happens with these two guys. It's good. It's good. It's good players to keep on, on your practice squad, especially heading into such a crucial time. Chiefs next game is in December. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's the crucial time of year. The last game of November, though, we probably should address it a little bit more before we get out of here. I, yeah, just a little bit. I mean, okay. I, I, I know this is probably like prime time for you to talk talk draft or something. Hit the like oh, button, buddy. hit the subscribe button if you're watching, by the way. really helps us grow the channel. Really appreciate everybody that's watching. we got a lot of you watching right now. really appreciate that. 
Uh, I'm going to make you predict this right now on the spot, actually, just because I saw this question. So what does the receiver room look like next year? They threw out some options, but what do you think this wide receiver room is going to look like next year? Ooh, I think you've got Sky Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney. Um, I think you bring back Juju. Are they going to eat the MVS money, or do you think he's think, back for sure? I don't think MVS is back. Okay, you think they're going to eat it? Okay. I think they'll trade, eat $4 million. I think it's $4 million they can get out of it, right? Okay. Um, give it was me, seven this year. I think, I, think the, I think they have some options they can kind of spread the okay. money out a little bit. But I'm, I'll have to look it up. Um, give me Justin Watson still. Um, okay. Give me. They play him way too much, so I mean, like, I get it. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then I want to say a draft pick, but okay, I want to say a draft pick. Give me a draft pick. Uh, okay. so I'll say five. I'll say five for yeah, sure. Five. And I don't know after that. Okay, if I had to tell you right now that Brian Edwards or Justin Ross are going to make this team next year, the active roster, which one is it? Brian Edwards. There's okay. a bigger sample size of success in the league, and who knows with Justin yep. Ross's situation. Sure. Fair. Fair. Uh, All right, we can she- move on Hold on real quick. Uh, well, oh. no, you, you gave me a perfect amount of time. Um, the Yeah, it's it's $4 million in dead money if they just outright okay. cut him. It's $7 million in cap savings. So I think I do okay. think oh, I could see. Him yeah. Best. Okay. Well, that's, that's a, that's, that's a lot more palatable. I, I'm going to go a little bit behind the scenes. Have you been operating in the discourse that we've had behind the scenes in the DMS as if Marquez Valdez scaling is going to cost $7 million to cut like all of our conversations over the last two months? Have yes. You been- <laughs> 100%. And I don't know why maybe I missed, I could have very easily misread it. I knew you could get out of it after one year, but I thought it was one of those that was set up like, yeah, you can get out of it, but it's most likely two. Like I was always just under the impression that it was going to be, it was most likely going to be two unless he just completely tanked. He obviously has not completely tanked. So for 4 million though, and then saving seven. I, you you know, I think you could trade him. I think you could get an asset for him. Honestly, especially like, you know, McCole Hardman's going to be a receiver on this. I mean, he's going to be, he's going to, he's going to factor potentially in the free agent market in some capacity. So I, I re- think I accept responsibility for this, but I have sent you down a deep off season podcast topic now. It's okay. <laughs> it's the Rams. <laughs> it's Josh Perkins was the, or uh, Bryce Perkins was oh. the quarterback. I feel for, bad for Rams fans right now. <laughs> I don't. I really, I don't feel bad for him at all, especially Jordan. Uh, Jordan did make an, a, Jordan did correct me earlier, by the way, max of three practice squad elevations per player. You can, uh, you can get two per week. So there is uh, a okay. noted Rams fan, Jordan foot uh, with the update for us there. But um, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think you, I think you might be able to trade MVS and get something out of them. If I'm being honest. I think that's definitely in the realm of possibility. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment. Tell us what you want us to, want to do with Corey. <laughs> Corey got Maddie is bad with the cap. He is awful with the cap, and it's always Don't funny. Care. Don't I, care. I, I Don't love it. Care. Well, the funny thing is that's Bearcat. Bearcat's had so many conversations with us about MBS, and it's always like Maddie acts like it's always an insurmountable number, and now I get it. <laughs> yeah, of course. 
The best part is, no, I will directly go, I will directly go to Corey and be like, hey, what does this mean? He'll tell me and I'll be like, mm, are you sure? Like, I'll question him <laughs> if it's right <laughs> or if that's what you can do. And he's like, yes, Matthew, I am sure. Like he's like he's talking down to me like I'm his son or something. It's 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 ridiculous. Once you get going down that rabbit hole, it is always very, very funny. <laughs> Wait a second. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, okay. So before we get to down the, it's before we get all the way into off season conversation, we probably do need to talk uh, and address the Rams game a little bit more okay. before we get out. Um, that's fair. I, it's probably fair. It's, it's kind of like we've kind of treated it the exact same way though. Right. Because we didn't get to the Rams until 30 minutes into the 30, Thursday episode. And we're not getting into the Rams until 30 minutes into the post game episode. So um, any other like, chance to sit on some stuff, to think about some stuff, any single thing stress you out after watching that game or any single thing that is giving you pause about the future of this program? No. Um, again, I, I can't read much into this. Like maybe you read a little bit into very specific individual performances. So like what I'm really going to dive into this week is the, is the chiefs like running game and the running back room. Um, like I, I not want to spoil everything I'm going to write, you know, at um, the kit in the Substacks. that's kcsn.substack.com. Make sure you're hopping over there, subscribing to read all of the film breakdowns that we're getting you guys. So I don't want to spoil it all, but I just, I think you're starting to see a clear picture of what the Chiefs have learned their running game has to be, the direction it is going, and why Isaiah Pacheco makes a ton of sense for it. I think you also will come to the conclusion, or at least what I have, I like Ronald Jones actually as being the backup runner. Not like I don't need him in anything that's going to be a pass, but just as a backup runner to fill snaps, to fill carries. I like the concept of him there based on what we saw but I'm not sold on it that it can't be a Melvin Gordon or something. But I just think the Chiefs' identity as a rushing team might be changing here a little bit, and it's because they're no longer trying to force their running game to fit perfectly into their RPO game. They are no longer trying to make those two things just completely mesh, look identical, be the exact same thing, and what they want to base their run game out of anymore. And I think that's been such a great thing for them. There's just such a big difference between a three-yard run that's downhill of Pacheco or Ronald Jones hammering into a linebacker at full speed and falling forward versus Clyde Edzulaire kind of like skipping back and forth and just kind of slowly falling down when he hits contact for three yards when it's blocked up well, right? So I think like we're seeing here just how aggressive these running backs are getting downhill. You're seeing the offensive lines getting to fire off the line of scrimmage a little bit more. And I think you're just getting, they're still going to be inside zone. They're still going to be some of that same stuff, 
but what you're getting is a lot more downhill. You're getting a more violent rushing attack, and I think that's going to pair better for a team that's mixing in the run rather than trying to go ahead and put that, you know, like as the main part of their rushing offense pairing with the RPO. We got to fix Isaiah Pacheco's touchdown celebration. Boy, that was that was brutal and equally his, brutal. His gate. He celebrates. He celebrates every run, like he achieved a first down. Like he's he's pointing towards the first down marker, and then he looks around. He makes sure he's like, "Oh, I actually kind of like that though." I, I think I'm it's great. Kinda, I'm kind of here for it. He runs. He celebrates every run. It's great. Um, but yeah, no, I I I, I agree with that. Um, I agree with everything you just said there, Melvin Gordon. I'm, I feel like he's played a lot of he's playing a lot of zone schemes though, right? Like I mean he's been a primary primary zone runner, so that'll be interesting to look at. One thing I was going to talk about though, when you talk about hey pairing the, the the RPO game with you know with with the blocking scheme with the run game, I mean the the RPO game's not been particularly great this year. I don't think it's been the same that it has been without a Tyreek Hill involved. So I don't know if like it's the end of the world. If you know if the RPO RPO games you know suffers slightly because of this, because that really hasn't been the thing that has, um, I don't think the, I don't think that's the thing that's really moved this offense forward in a big big way. I think it's taken a pretty big step back. I don't know if you feel the same thing, but I'm trying to think of how many big RPOs. Nothing in between the hashes. I don't feel like they're hitting a bunch in between the hashes in the RPO game or right outside the hashes in between the numbers. I think you're getting some of the flat wheel rpo stuff every you know from time to time but like outside of that i'm trying to think of a ton of real big plays that they're able to generate with the rpo game no they're they're not coming and i mean part of that is the running scheme part of it's been the running backs and the way they're executing it and sometimes the the, the blocking just isn't great so yeah the, the rpo stuff can go it obviously isn't ever going to disappear I just think the Chiefs are kind of learning that they don't have to base their run game out of inside and outside zone to match their RPO game. They can still call an RPO while running inside zone and some form of gap or power scheme run equally. Like I don't, I think they're learning they don't have to make all of those things perfectly mirror each other because anytime the Chiefs show an RPO look, everyone's going to play pass. No one's going to play the run. It's still just going to be up to Mahomes, either A, reading out leverage pre-snap, because that seems to be their best RPOs anymore as is, or B, he's still going to try to manipulate a guy that gives him a give to the running back read, and he's still going to try to throw it around him, right? Yep. So there's no reason to try to make the main or you know make the primary run what's going to match up with your RPO anymore. It just does, it, there's no reason to. Just mix in when you want to throw an RPO and get a free couple yards and then run the stuff that your team runs better. I think it's pretty simple. And they're they're getting there, I think. I think they're slowly getting to that point now. And Pacheco and Ronald Jones or maybe a Melvin Gordon run that kind of stuff a little bit better than what we've seen so far. Uh, big takeaway for me, I, I think there was some gamesmanship. And there's I'm look, I'll, I'm going to have something a little bit on, on the KCSN substack uh, tomorrow. But I, I think there was some time theft going this week i i think you know i think the chiefs were intent on showing some things uh and presenting some things to teams that they're gonna have to worry about they're gonna have to prepare for and you know it's kind of more prevalent in college than it is in the nfl like it's still a thing but you know like in college time theft's really important because you've got college kids that you're you know you only get a finite amount of time you know in the building to try to help prepare for a game but like 
time fest still matters in the NFL. And what I mean by that is forcing teams to prepare for looks that you put on film. And I think the Chiefs, especially in the red zone, showed some things where we're about to show some things that are going to at least perk the ears of uh, in the you know in the you know it's it's going to make it's going to make defensive coordinators think. You know, we talk a little bit like the throwback play, the the special play, being able to put a special play on tape, especially in a, in the in the tight red. Uh, I think is uh, a, a a very interesting uh, thought there. You know, it's it's hey, we're going to show this. We're going to force teams to prepare for, you know, this. Especially considering, you know, like the, the, if you remember the 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 throw uh, the throwback from Sky Moore uh, to to Patrick Mahomes, they'd shown that jet action with Sky Moore a couple times during that game. So it's not like they hadn't shown something similar already. So now you're showing, hey, we can also do this. You got to worry about this as well. They were about to put Colin Saunders on the game. Like just another tendency breaker. Oh, it came right after that. It came right. It was they, they called the the Rams called a timeout when Saunders was out there, and then coming out of the timeout, the Chiefs went to that that throwback play. Um, or I guess it's technically a double pass. Um, so they they came up to to that play very next. Yeah, the Chiefs were already going to go out there and say, hey, here's something that the Bengals and everyone else were about ready to play is going to have to pay attention to. And also, Colin Saunders, maybe there was motion coming. He was not lined in the backfield. I think he was a wing. He was a wing. I think that keeps getting brushed over right now is he was not in the backfield, which would have been fine. That would be normal. He was aligned as a wing. I'm trying to figure out if was he about to come in motion and be like a lead blocker on something around the outside. Was this going to be like, I just don't know what was going to happen because I don't think they just put him out there to block where he was. Right. So he was going to do something on the move. I was excited for it. They called a timeout. He was no longer in there and they came out with another trick play. Like, they were 100% putting stuff out there on film for future opponents to try to read into. And I very much enjoyed it, but it still also left me disappointed. I think, you know, how fun is it to be disappointed by winning 26 10? It's great. It's awesome to be disappointed by a dominant win in which the Chiefs covered a 15 and a half point spread that I thought was going to be free money, but I still, eh, you know, I don't eh. think I'm disappointed. I think I'm just like nothing about that game, win or lose or not lose. Yes. But win, win, big cover, win, blowout, like whatever. I, I just, I, nothing was going to sway how I feel really. I mean, Bryce Perkins, you know, like he, he wasn't good. Like this is a, this is a team that's not going to make the playoffs. I just, I don't know. I just, nothing was really going to change my opinion or, or make me feel strongly in any way, shape or form. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, a, I was, I was fine. Uh, but yeah, like I, I, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. There's some other stuff I think we can talk about with some time theft. Like, I think if you look at the totality of that picture, we just talked about Juju Smith Schuster, I believe uh, maybe it was before the show Juju Smith Schuster on a snap count. I don't know if we talked about this on the show. Juju Smith Schuster on a snap count out of concussion protocol. There's no need to put Juju Smith Schuster on a snap count for concussion protocol. And this is not diminishing con- concussions. It's just a, it's a you're either playing or you're not. You're either concussed <laughs> or you're not. You're not putting someone who's concussed at risk of not playing. So if Juju Smith Schuster is on a snap count, I think that tells you a little bit about how the Chiefs are cheating the Rams. Justin Watson leading the world in their snap count at the receiver position. 
Uh, here from Jordan Foot, Justin Watson's snap count, 64 steps. Marquez Valdez Scantling, 44. Sky Moore, 35. Juju Smith Schuster, 29. They put him on a snap count. And like that is not gamesmanship. That is protection. Like they just they managed this game and they managed it to cover. Like, I I don't know. Like, I think that tells you all you need to know. Like, I know Andy Reid got up there is like, hey, look, we need to we need to clean some things up in the, you know, we need to clean some things up here in, in the red zone and all that stuff. Okay, maybe I don't know. Maybe not try the throwback next time. Like, I think he knows. <laughs> like, he's just saying that. It's like like some of this stuff we're never gonna see again. I don't know how much sky more jet sweep we're gonna see moving forward. Well, but okay, that's my, that's the only real thing I think I had on the live the live show. I, I think the red zone offense is in a sticky spot if you don't have Tony or McCall Hardman. I, the Chiefs did not seem completely comfortable with Sky Moore on the jet motion stuff, and I don't know why he he plays fast. The two times they did it, one time it was just you know the, the Rams made a great play and out leverage it. The second time was going to be a touchdown, and Justin Watson missed a block right or a big play at the very least, a successful play. So it wasn't that the play wasn't working. They just seemed a little bit more reluctant to run the sky more jet sweep red zone offense that they had run all year with McCole Hardman to great success that they ran Kadarius Tony out there when McCole Hardman couldn't play to do. And they had some success with it. And then all of a sudden it was down to this game. They're like, eh, we're going to do it a couple times, like you said, but really they weren't relying on it in the same way. And so I, I think that's worth noting. Maybe it was entirely to throw off tendencies for the game. And next week, if there's no Tony, there's no Hardman, they're still just going to go sky more jet motion, sky more jet motion, sky more jet motion. The moment they hit the high red zone, like they usually do with those other two, maybe they're going to do that or they don't feel comfortable. Just that is something I at least have my eye on going forward. Um, but yeah, besides that, like, eh, you know, what, what are we going to do here? Uh, I saw this comment from Bearcat. Uh, Jordan, if you can throw that up, please. Uh, he says uh, that he's like, I mean, if you, Jordan, if you can get that up from court, he just posted. There he goes. Uh, Tooney missed his first game in his career after getting a practice in. Should tell you everything you need to know about how they felt about the Rams. It's true. I mean, that's like they managed this game. They used this as an opportunity to get healthy, get right. Uh they 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 stole some time a little bit this week, and that's the story of this football game. Stickers, slaps. Whoa, whoa! We're just skipping the defense altogether. Yeah. Oh my God! No, I don't think this was a specific this. offense discussion. I thought we were just throwing a few takeaways oh, from the game. No, no, we you you cannot do that. Just because Craig's not here doesn't mean the defense doesn't exist. I, this isn't even on me. You cannot pretend defense doesn't exist just because Craig isn't here. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe <laughs> button because apparently we're going to continue to talk defense. Uh, okay, fine, Matthew. The floor is yours. What do you want to talk about on defense? Chris Jones, defensive player of the year. Let's okay. talk about it because we're there again. Chris Jones, first half, blowing stuff up. He was nearly unblockable for the Rams. I understand it's not a great offensive line. Hey, no, hey, maybe the Bengals aren't a great interior offensive line either. Something to, you know, put a feather in the cap for. But Chris Jones continued to be dominant. Frank Clark came back, and you know, we talked a little bit about the, the snap jumping that he was getting on there and looking pretty good. Andy Reid actually came out today and said that he looked like Frank Clark the first year they got him here before the injuries really started to pile up and the medical issues started piling up. Yeah, I can see it a little bit, but mostly in his run defense. His run defense in this game 
was stellar. It's back to what it was when the Chiefs first brought him in. And I know Chiefs fans don't love hearing that their super expensive pass rusher that was supposed to come in and get 80 sacks a year, which is just being a great run defender and an okay pass rusher. But man, when you watch that, that, that first half of the Rams game, Anytime they tried to run the ball, Frank Clark was blowing it up. I mean, he was blowing up plays left and right out there. Like That's going to matter. I get it. The run game isn't as important. I would rather him be a better pass rusher than run defender, but it matters. What he was doing as a run defender matters a ton. You put that back in there, and then you're just getting some of those Chiefs vintage Chiefs Frank Clark reps like you got in the first half where he's exploding off the line, flashing the ghost move and the cross chop. That this matters. This stuff matters for a team that is looking to make a deep playoff run. So yeah, the defensive line wasn't great necessarily in the second half, but when they were trying, when there was a little bit of care to this game in the first half, the defensive line and they were dominating, and it yep. was by the best two players. That I mean, Colin Saunders flashed a little bit. George Karloff mm-hmm. has flashed a little bit. It wasn't isolated to just those two guys. Like. Right. You know, I mean, they they had some moments up front that, you know, I think are promising. Like with Frank Clark, the first step was really, really impressive. And I can then know there was like you talked about snap jumping, like with Chris Jones a little bit. Like it's the same with Frank Clark, too. Like he was he was. He, but the first step still looked really good. People like go watch Frank Clark highlights from Seattle and look at how dense he is compared to now. Like there's more density to that version of Frank Clark than you see. And like I think that probably speaks to some of the stuff that he's dealt with because C. Spagnolo prefers Frank Clark in Seattle versus Frank Clark in in Kansas City. So I don't know. I would just I feels like he's still playing a little bit light, but man, he looked really really good this week. Uh, and and hopefully that continues because like look, Chris Jones, Chris Jones still has value. He always did have value. Yeah, he disappointed with his contract, but this is still a valuable football player that that can make an impact you know, during the home stretch and, you know, he got a little bit of a break <laughs> on his, on his own. Um, and uh, hopefully he, you know, it kind of looks like he's came back fresh from that. Anything else on defense? I, the rookie, the rookie secondary was, you know, the rookie cornerbacks were very good. I thought I was very pleased with what we saw out of the rookie cornerbacks, Trent McDuffie, especially, I know he gave up a touchdown, but like, I still think he had a very solid game. Yeah. He, he played a good game. Um, he, they, I targeted him a couple times. I know there was a touchdown in there. I think he gave up maybe another catch later in the game, but he had a couple pass breakups. I think I remember correctly seeing. So I McDuffie's been as good as I think advertised. There's nothing to nitpick. Even the touchdown he gave up, the chiefs didn't run cover zero, but and they essentially sent six, then they had a spy. So he had no help and the pressure just simply didn't get there at all. There was nobody still just playing a curl zone over the middle of the field to defend against the slant. So yeah, he, Gave up a touchdown in a hard spot. No, I'm not making excuses there. He just, it happens. It is what it is. He played great. I thought Joshua Williams made a couple nice plays. Yes, teams are going to still throw at him. And yeah, he might give up some catches. And guess what? If he gives up a couple tough catches against the Bengals or even gives up an easy one or two, let's not freak out. Let's remember everything else that's happened up at this point in time because he's played really darn well. Jarius Sneed, whoo. Jarius Sneed, still really good. Still great. I, I think the Chiefs might... To protect him from himself, I know they don't want to move him out of the slot. I know they don't want to. But man, 
if he has to keep inserting himself to make these tackles that he has to, I am afraid it's going to lead to an injury eventually. Mm-hmm. There's just a few, a few knocks he's taken out. And even outside of, you know, being looked at for concussion, there was a couple other big impacts he had. This isn't a guy that's a 215 pound, you know, strong safety playing in the slot. That's made to do this, right? He's still a cornerback body frame, right? So, having him constantly insert into the C-gap to have to make a tackle on a run or try to submarine a blocker maybe isn't ideal. I'm not saying Trent McDuffie's going to be great at it either, but like they just they need to figure out something to where he doesn't have to do it all the time because the last thing the Chiefs can afford is LeJarrius Sneed missing time or being injured once it gets to playoff time. They need him. He's their by far their biggest playmaker on you know outside of the defensive line in the secondary. Nobody else is producing big plays like that. Trent McDuffie's been great. He's not producing turnovers. Legarius needs the guy doing it. So like they need him to be healthy and a hundred percent. They kind of need to start saving him a little bit from some of these big, you know, collisions he's having. It's stickers, slaps and game balls time. Matthew. Uh, if you were in the comments first, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We have 17 chiefs shows every week. You can watch uh, all kinds of great stuff. A bunch of former players involved. All that good stuff. That gets some really cool stuff. Matt, Matt Castle breaks down plays every week. So does Derek Johnson. Uh, so we've got some we got some pretty cool stuff going on. Um, but tell us who your game ball goes to. We're gonna give a sticker and a slap, uh, butt slap and a good job. Spirits is normally Craig. Uh Craig Craig can Craig can have it. Um I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go uh a, st- a helmet sticker to Isaiah Pacheco, and it's specifically because of this. Um he would be a thousand yard rusher if he had started 17 games this year. And Brett Veach, maybe I should give this to Brett Veach actually for say he thinks there's seven, there's thousand yard rushers in the seventh round. Isaiah Pacheco would be a thousand yard rusher with the 17 game sample size of the opportunities he's getting right now. And there's still actually an outside chance that he's going to be a thousand yard rusher this year. There are six games remaining. I believe he has 455 yards on the ground. There's an outside shot. He could still be a thousand yard rusher. So I'm, I'm going to do a hybrid Brett Veach, Isaiah Pacheco uh, uh, helmet sticker for this week. Uh, Matthew, butt slapping a good job goes to. Okay. I'm going to give out Craig's whole, whole last bottle of vodka for okay. him as well. Um, we're giving it to Nick Bolton. Uh, Nick Bolton continues to play better, you know, each week. I think we got to the mid-ish point of where we are in the season. So not week eight, you know, week six-ish. And there was some ups and downs for Nick Bolton. He's really turned it on since then. He's been, he's been exceptional. And we talked about it in the live post games. You know, they're going to go too far into it. If you want the whole conversation kind of get to the end of that, but Nick Bolton played really good yet again. He finds himself in the perfect clutch spot to catch the tip pass from Carlos Dunlap for the interception to essentially seal the game. He made a couple tackles for loss where it seemed like he was actually reading the play out quickly rather than just run blitzing. And I don't mean that to be as a shot. That's just the way a lot of the negative plays came early in the year. As the year's going, he seems to be seeing things a lot quicker. He seems to be getting more up to speed, transitioning over to Mike, playing better and better kind of each week. So yeah, it's going well for Nick Bolton. I think if I want to pick a nit, there was a deep crosser that he didn't quite track very well. Okay, your Mike linebacker that was never great in coverage couldn't run and get the deep over out. Big deal. And that's really about it. So good, complete game for Nick Bolton. He can have the whole ass bottle of vodka this week. Um, (laughs) Butt slap and good job is going to my 
Big 12 champs, the TCU Horned Frogs, heading to Arlington, Texas to take out the K-State Wildcats and go to the college football playoff. Can't wipe that look off your face. You knew it was coming at some point in time. The Horned Frogs are out. They're going to Arlington. They are going to the college football playoff. Horns out, baby. Yikes. Uh, Me and Tucker D. Franklin riding with the Hypnotoad all year. Look, we have a whole channel and a third of it's devoted to K-State. And you're just going to sit here and troll. There is no troll. There's no no, You believe it. (laughs) I know you believe it. I know you believe it. Uh, Jordan, if you want to pick uh, who who gives a game ball out uh, or who the, the chat gives a game ball out to. So, good health. Good health. Uh, Travis Kelsey, sure. Why not? Uh, the most, is, it. most receiving yards in an 11-year career, uh, and he's yeah. only played in 10 and really only nine. Is that right? Do you know what Travis Kelsey did to Jalen Ramsey? Yes, he uh, he embarrassed him on national television. I need Craig. I need Craig. He beat him like a drum. I, get us out of here. He beat him like a drum. You ruined it. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much. Get well, Craig. We love you. Catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.